Today's sponsor is Headspace. You slept every night of your life, so you should be pretty good at it by now, right? Unfortunately, many of us don't get the quality sleep that we need and could use a little bit of help, and that's where Headspace has got you covered. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. And while they have meditations devoted to helping you reduce stress and increase your overall sense of well-being, they have an entire library of sleep stories, sleep music, and other sleep sounds that can help you get the quality sleep you desperately need. And for busy lifestyles, they have what's called wind downs. It's meditations and breathing exercises that are as short as three minutes so they can fit into anybody's schedule. I personally use Headspace myself. I've tried out some of the sleep stuff. It actually works. Like to me, it actually makes a difference. So Headspace, it's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews. That's a lot. And over 60 million downloads. Try it today for free and start sleeping soundly. So right now, our listeners get 30% off Headspace's entire library of meditations. Just go to headspace.com slash sleep pod for 30% off your subscription, but only until May 12th. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash sleep pod today. This is the Smart Passive Cup podcast with Pat Flynn, session number 63. You, you got what I need, but you say he's just a friend. But you say he's just a friend. Welcome to the Smart Passive Income Podcast, where it's all about working hard now so you can sit back and reap the benefits later. And now your host, who loves shopping at Target at 3 p.m. on a Tuesday afternoon, Pat Flynn. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Pat Flynn, and welcome to the 63rd session of the Smart Passive Income Podcast. First of all, I just want to give a shout out to all the kids listening to the show right now. Yes, the kids. Since last week's episode, I randomly got like four or five emails from parents who listen to the show in their cars when their kids are in there. Maybe they're on a road trip or they're picking them up from school or something. And the parents were emailing me, thanking me for keeping the show clean because they want their uh, they want their kids to be able to listen to the show. And that's awesome. I mean, it's my absolute pleasure. And seriously, I mean, no offense to, to those of you who swear and cuss in your shows or maybe you just do it in real life, I get it. That's fine. Uh, you know, it can really emphasize certain points. But I have two kids now. I've met kids who listen to the show. I want them to be allowed to listen too. You know, you never know. Seriously, you never know what one idea a, a single kid can have based on something that you say or something that they listen to that can change the world and change their world and, and really make a difference. So I just thought that was really cool. So to all the parents out there, you know, my absolute pleasure. And thank you for those of you who emailed me. Now, speaking of really cool, when this post goes live, I'll actually be in the Windy City. I'm going to be in Chicago for an event called Internet Profits Live. Uh, and I'm speaking at the event. Uh, that's Profits with uh, P-H, P-R-O-P-H-E-T-S, uh, not F, and uh, which is kind of clever. Um, and it's always a good time to speak at these at these kinds of things. I'm also uh, holding a meetup. Uh, you can go to smartpassiveincome.com slash meetup at any time, really, to see where my next meetup might be or, uh, you know, if, if there's not one in the future, uh, I haven't set one up yet if you go to that URL. So that's smartpassiveincome.com slash meetup no space. Uh, I love I love doing meetups. I love meeting the fans. I love meeting people in the area who want to talk business or just want to talk whatever. Uh, that's where I met some of those kids who listen to the show uh, in Nashville, actually. Um, Cliff Ravenscraft and I, last week, he and I held a meetup in San Diego. 
my hometown after social media marketing world at a pizza joint. And about 50 people came out from, uh, you know, there's some people from Germany who came out who were just randomly near the area and flew in just to just to hang out with us. Uh, we, we had pizza, we had some drinks, of course, some great connections and, and, and you know, everybody was just meeting each other and having great conversations. It was just, It's just really cool to meet people in person sometimes. You, you should really try to do it if you can. Now, my featured guest today, I'm actually going to be meeting him for the first time in Chicago uh, this, this, at this event. His name is Douglas Lynn, and I'm really excited to share his story with you because it's about a hobby blog that started that is now being monetized through a membership component. Uh, you know, recurring monthly income, which is sort of the holy grail of passive income. Uh, and the best part is, at least for me, uh, it's it's about the, the hobby is a game that I used to play when I was in middle school and high school. The game is called Magic the Gathering. So I must seem like so cool right now. I mean, not only am I a bodyboarder, not a surfer and a marching band nerd, but I played Magic the Gathering. So please don't go... <laughs> Anyway, this conversation that Doug and I have brings back a lot of amazing memories for me because I was pretty hardcore about this this game called Magic the Gathering. And so I try to dig really deep into how it all happened, all the ups, all the downs, and all the struggles and, and, and wins along the way. So without further delay, let's get right into the interview with Doug. He was on a phone. It was a landline phone, but it was still a, a phone as opposed to a Skype to Skype conversation. So the quality isn't going to be quite as good as you're used to as far as these interviews are concerned. My side sounds the same the other side is going to be a little bit uh not as high quality as as you're used to but it still sounds great so uh let's welcome doug all right doug thank you so much for coming on the show how are you doing today i'm doing great thanks for having me pat I'm really excited about this interview because you are going to be talking about a particular topic or niche that was a part of my childhood actually so I'm really interested to to kind of dive into your story and I love like every single email you've sent me just got me really excited about this moment in time to interview you so why don't you just start by telling the audience sort of uh, what you do and how you got started okay well I'll give you the uh, semi long story here I run a website called quietspeculation.com with my friend Kelly Reed it's all one word um, it is a subscription-based online magazine service. So every month, people sign up and they pay basically to read articles every day and get access to a private forum and a private newsletter. But what it's about is it's about Magic the Gathering cards, which people probably have a passing familiarity with. And when I tell it to people, people still say, oh, wait, people still play that? <laughs> and uh, Magic is actually a huge industry. I sat in on Hasbro's market call, Hasbro's the publisher of Magic, and Magic is a significant part of that multi-billion dollar company's bottom line. And we peg it at about 25 to 30%. So there's a lot of money going through Magic. It's, um, it's sort of an expensive game to play, uh, but people trade the cards around, um, and they buy them online, and they sell them, and they, they trade them with friends at events. And our goal with our website is we're going to tell you the upcoming financial trends, so the hot cards, um, the cards that are overpriced that we think you should sell, and uh, people pay for that info just like they would if they were subscribing to The Economist or Barron's or The Wall Street Journal. Um, people, you know, kind of ask, well, how much money is there in trading cards? And I say that uh, typically when you look at a card that gets hot, um, it can go from, let's say, $0.80 cents to $8 overnight based on demand. And you'll never find a stock that makes a jump that quickly. 
and people can make a lot of money in a short period of time if they know what they're doing. And our goal is to kind of guide them along and figure out what they're doing. Yeah, that's so awesome. How did you come up with this? Did you play Magic yourself? And what des- what made you uh, and Kelly decide to, uh, A, partner up, and also, B, just, just start this? Well, I have been playing Magic since, I believe, around 1996, which is uh, 17 years now. And so I've played Magic for the better part of my life. So has Kelly. Um, Kelly and I started talking about this. We met on a Magic forum because he and I were talking about uh, when cards got really popular and how expensive they got. And he and I were the only ones who were really talking about that. So we private messaged each other. Kelly was running this blog. I think it was like quietspeculation.blogspot.com. Don't, don't try and look at it. It's gone by now. <laughs> but I had looked at it. He and I kept in touch. Um, and we were talking more about the idea of, gee, isn't this information that people should know? And, um, you know, couldn't we make a little bit of money at this on the side? So we were talking about it a little bit more. Kelly was a uh, retail drone at Best Buy, and he didn't like it. And I was going through my second year of law school. And he and I were both looking for a fun project to do. And he was thinking about, well, what about other jobs I could get? And I told him, man, you have this blog. You get about, I think it was maybe ten to ten or 30,000 views a month on it, which was pretty decent traffic. Um, and I said, that's your only equity asset. That's the only thing where when you go to bed at night, you're still making money on it, even though it was like $8 a month in Google AdWords. You're still making money on it. If you could take that, your loyal readership, the trust you've built up, we could create something really cool here. And so that's how the site got founded and started. And I believe that that was in September of '09, mm-hmm. And that's awesome. when things really picked up. Yeah, I remember playing back when you started too in the mid 1990s, and I was obsessed with it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Magic: The Gathering is a sort of card. It's hard to explain over over a podcast, but you have it involved. You play a dueling fearsome wizard, casting powerful sorcery and summoning mighty monsters, and utilizing ancient artifacts of untold power to defeat your opponent. Yeah, exactly what Doug just said. Um, and, you know, it's so much fun and, and you know, it's for the co- sort of geeky crowd. And, and uh, so it's a very niched thing that you have going on here. Now, when Kelly had quietspeculation.blogspot.com, you know, he, that was a free site he set up. How did he like what was he talking about on the site? How did he get 10,000 views and what what was exciting for people about that site initially? Okay, well, that's kind of ancient history. So I'm going to try and do my best to remember that. He, <laughs> he was talking about things like um cards that were upcoming and hot or about like, why is this card suddenly $12? And then he'd talk about it. You have to remember like we, I don't want to sound like I'm full of hubris here and say we invented magic finance, but we were really some of the first people talking about it in an organized place. And so people would come to that because everybody wanted to talk about it. They want to talk about like, well, should you rip off people in your store with trades if they don't know the prices? Mm. Um, what's it like to be an ethical trader? You know, if you have a, if you have a 10 year old kid who wants to trade a hundred dollar card to you and they want a, a 50 cent card in return, should you take that trade? And our position has always been, no, that's unethical. That's bad. Um, but he was talking just about that. Um, things he would have a mailbag article now and then where people could write in. Um, I think this was even like pre, Twitter being popular, mm-hmm. if it if it could go that far back. Now you so have, people were mm-hmm. go, oh so sorry I was just gonna um, so so you have this site and you you're already talking about this topic and you told me earlier that now you have a membership site where people actually pay to read 
they pay to uh, join a forum, and they pay to get a newsletter. How did you two come together and make that switch from you know what I imagine was free content before with running AdSense ads, to that switch to a paid forum model, and, and why do you think it was successful? Oh, well, that's the real meat of the uh, discussion here. We switched over to quietspeculation.com, and we started running articles there. I think we, we launched as a WordPress site, and we got a couple other columnists who were interested in writing. And we were upfront with everybody at the beginning that, look, this is going to become a, a paid site somehow at some point. We need to pay writers. It is a just and noble thing to pay employees and to help people. And I hear from our writers to say, I, you, know, I, you pay for me to live the dream here. So you have to pay people. Mm-hmm. And Kelly and I were looking at the dismal returns on Google AdSense because the people who are reading it are sophisticated magic players. They understand what's an ad and what's an editorial. And they're not likely to be fooled into clicking on those one weird trick to reduce your abs by eating these berries ads. <laughs> so, so the money for ads wasn't really there. And, and the, the amount of money you'd have to scale on it was terrible. I mean, it, it's... It's so cheap to buy ads online these days, mm-hmm. um, which is great for somebody who wants to buy ads. But if you're looking to make money from them, uh, at least in our niche, I'll say that. I can only speak from our experience. At least in our niche, the money wasn't there. People weren't going to click on weird trick ads. Um, and then we had also looked at it, so we had thought, well, we could go with a pay-what-you-want pay model. Mm-hmm. But I, we really didn't like freemium because it doesn't let you forecast a budget. If you have a content budget of X hundred or thousand dollars a month, you can't really go and beat the tin can around and say you guys got to pay up. Right. And we had looked at um, other examples too. We said, well, look, the New York Times isn't managing a free site. They can't make money on ads. The New York Times cannot make money on ads. Why should we? How could we? You know, if, if, we, if we get three dollars for every thousand viewers on our site, um, as a niche site, we'd be looking at thirty or sixty bucks a month. And this is just, just based on our experience. Um, so we had decided to do that. We offered a, a low introductory rate to people who signed up in the first month, which was like $5 a month. There are people who signed up then who still paid the $5 a month it was. It's since increased to $12. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we had based on uh, about why a paid model would work is exclusivity. So you're paying for information that only other paying members are reading too. So people say, well, you know, I'm going to have sort of insider information here. I'm going to have the inside loop. I, you know, I'm going to have a level of analysis that other people aren't. Mm-hmm. So that kind of works in favor of it because when you have a scarce thing like that that you can say, look, this is protected information, it makes it more intrinsically valuable. And then we had also looked at the success of private forums like seobook.com. Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, a friend who was helping us out with setting up the page said, guys, this, like, at that time, he said it was $150 a month just to sign up for access to a forum. And I thought, man, isn't that the holy grail right there? You have all user-generated content, and all you're doing is paying to keep the riffraff out. And you're, getting, you're paying so much because you can get so much access to this. SEO book is a website that's about um, how, to, how to maximize search engine optimization, how to get the most out of that for the listeners who don't know. It's very valuable if you're actually doing it. But if you're a keyboard jockey, you're not going to pay the 300 bucks a month there. <laughs> For us, we feel like active traders should be able to swing $3 a week. But if you're, if you're a keyboard jockey and you, you're not trading a whole lot, I don't know if it's the right service for you. So that's sort of the long-winded answer of how we got to charging money for this. Right. I think it's really important that what you just said there, 
how you are specifically targeting a certain group of people who are willing to pay for this. And if it, they're not, then maybe that's not the right content for them. I, I think a lot of people try to get kind of everybody on board when you know they're trying to build a blog or trying to create a membership website or trying to get people to pay for stuff. This is something that I've learned from Ramit Sethi when he comes out with a product. He uh, he initially says, you know, if you're if 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 you're in debt, you know, I don't want you in my course. You're not the right person for this. I mean, he tells you right up front. And I think that's really important. Now, there's a few questions I have based on what you said. So first, you talk about writers and paying writers, and and that's obviously a very important part of the overall strategy. Now, is that content that they're writing? for people who are inside or do you even have content free for people to to view to generate more traffic and interest yes we have some free content um it's mostly about casual magic you know playing with your friends or about strategy um we have uh uh most of our content that this i i feel like the stuff you're paying for is going to be financial stuff and we're not going to make you pay for stuff that's not financial Okay. So uh, we do have a, a bit of free content. I think we have an article or two every day that's free. It gets a lot of people coming back, and we want to offer something to everybody who comes to the site, even if they don't pay. Um, we do have some uh, some articles. We call them unlocked insider articles uh, that we offer. We make free after a while, but we don't automatically make anything free. And you'll have to apologize for the noise. It is hailing here in Ohio, and it is <laughs> raining sideways. <laughs> <laughs> no, no worries. That's cool. That makes it so real. Um, so you have these unlocked inner these insider articles. How much are you paying these writers? Because I know a lot of people, I mean, there's a wide range of sort of writers that you can hire. There's these places you could sign up for where you can get articles for five to 12 bucks. You can get articles done on Fiverr, but then you can also find someone who would write an article for maybe three to 500 bucks, which is on the high end. I, well, I'm sort of interested to see how much you're paying and how that is... Um, sort of a part of the overall business plan? Uh, we pay, you know, we're, we're closer to the, the 15 to $20 an article versus the 300 to $500 an article. Um, I think our content budget makes up about 30% of our monthly revenue, which means it's, it's basically that part of the expenses. It's, uh, we try and pay as much as possible. Um, I, it's a niche site. And a lot of people are fine um, working, understanding that they get a free access to the site as well as money to be paid for writing articles. But you know, we try and write as much as we or pay as much as we can because when you pay more, you get more quality. Right, and you're paying um, actual magic players or people who understand the game. Yes, and we we find people because uh, uh, we have a, a brand name in the industry. So if somebody wants to write, they contact us. Um, we have articles who've been our writers who've been with us since day one. Um, and we try and make their life as comfortable as possible. Um, and then we, you know, we also offer, we're, we're very restrictive on like free trials and things like that, but we do say you can get a free membership if you write with us. Mm -hmm. And I can talk about how we manage free trials later if you'd like. Sure. Actually, I wanted to get into pricing really quick because you had mentioned you initially did $5 a month sort of for the, uh, I don't know, beta testers or for the, the people who are in there first, and now it's $12 a month. How, why 12? Where did that come from? How did you decide that? Well, we stepped up from five to nine because the original price was saying, hey, it's going to be $9 a month. Um, with the understanding that we look, we pay like 20 writers a month plus three editors. Um, so there's, there's a substantial overhead there and I'm not ashamed of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we had, uh, 
we bumped it up from 9 to 12 last fall, and the reason being was that we were hiring um, some coding people and uh, getting some databases because there's, there's a huge wealth of data for Magic Cards for what price they sell for, how many they're selling for, um, what stores are paying for them to get their own inventory. Um, so we raised the price with the understanding that, that the price is going up, but you're also getting these uh, uh, new program we created called Trader Tools, which shows you the average price a card is selling for and also what dealers buy it for. So if I say to you, we're trading, and I say, I'll trade you an $8 card for my $8 card, and then you look at our Trader Tools and you say, well, if I sold this to one of these big magic internet websites right now, I could make $5 on the card you're trading me, but I could only make three on mine. So I'm going to take that trade even though it looks equal because my card has a greater intrinsic resale value. Mm. And when we created Trader Tools, we had a, uh, a huge surge of membership. Um, people on Twitter and Reddit were going crazy for it. It was great. But you know, we, had, we had increased the price with the understanding uh, that it was going to pay for more features. It wasn't a greed grab. Right, right. This was a tool that was only accessible to members, mm -hmm. yet it was yeah. still providing market, you know, interest. Yeah, you know, it would be like looking at a stock quote. And then if you looked at a stock quote for free, you'd see one level of data. And when you paid for more analysis, you'd get more analysis and more info about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah. we have, we've always been very upfront with our price. And we say, you know, we're, we're kind of at the level where it's like it's paying rent and student loan debt right now. We're not making um, retired to Cancun money on it. Uh, but I think that we're, we're honest with people that when the rate increases, it's because we're paying more writers, we're getting more content, and we're providing better services to people. Right. But you are making the holy grail of online income, which is a recurring passive income through your members. Which it is, really and we our typical lifetime member length is a little under two years. So I look at that, I tell that to people, and they're they're shocked. Magic yeah. players, you know, not other people in the industry, but it's like, look, we provide information that on average somebody wants to stay with us for two years and read and talk with us and learn about what we're doing. That's all. That's huge because I know, in, at least in the internet marketing industry and blogging and entrepreneurship type courses and membership sites, that the attrition rate is typically three months. So to have a two-year kind of retention rate, that's, that's huge. What are some tips you have for people to, to make sure that when they come into your membership site, for example, that they're going to stick around? Like, do, is it just, do you feel like it's just purely the content, or is there more? Well, we have, uh, we have the forums, which allow, you know, it, we want to let our stuff scale to the size that anybody wants to consume it at for however long. So if you want to sit at your computer all day long, we have forums and a private chat room. So you can, you know, you can spend as much time there as you want. Um, if you only want to read the articles, if you only want to get our newsletters, you can do that. But the more you want to engage with us, the more we can engage back with you. And I think that gives people a, a, an ability to graduate up to it. We're also very clear when you sign up, like, these are all the benefits you get. And we started doing that because we get people who said, like, oh, I subscribed and it was five months before I realized you guys had a forum. That's like, well, nuts. I mean, how many people did we lose because they didn't know we had a forum where they could talk about this stuff? Mm. So we try and be really clear about all the features and benefits and encourage people to look at it. That's cool. How, uh, you know, what, was it always smooth sailing? Like, it sounds like it's, it, it's just a, been a great story. You have this free site, you turn it into a paid site, members are coming in. Uh, what, what were some of the struggles maybe that you've had along the way? We had some early founder problems. Um, 
which I won't get into, but I'll say like, I think that it's really worthwhile to have one partner in a business, but when you have two partners, including you, like beyond you, so a total of three or more people, Uh the delegation gets to be a problem and the responsibilities get to be a problem. And I had, uh, I had a great, my great friend, Jason, who I'm still great friends with, came on board. He actually knew what he was doing. And Kelly and I were kind of jokers. We were like, we have this great content idea, but I have no idea how these internets work. (laughs) And Kelly and I just kept dropping the ball on things about, you know, getting like bank accounts set up and employer ID numbers. And we were being jokers about it. And Jason finally said, like, just look, cover the expenses I've incurred. I'm going to step aside from this, which was, um, very noble. We did not hold it against him. And I was kind of relieved, like, I don't want to ruin a friendship over my buddy and I trying to make a hobby business right. when my, my friend Jason's actually trying to be professional about this and we're screwing with him. So, um, know your own, know your own strengths and weaknesses. I think that's what we got from that. Um, we also, uh, deviated from the core concept a bit with what we were spending on early money on. Um, and this is a big thing I'd say to people, like if you find something that works, um, keep investing in that and make it cooler. So, uh, we had published an ebook from a friend of mine about magic cards and it, you know, paid for the server for a couple months, but we weren't in the ebook business. Um, and it had nothing to do with trading and selling cards. It was about how to play a specific kind of deck in a specific kind of magic format. Um, and yeah, we, we made a little bit of money on it, but on the other hand, I was fulfilling support requests every morning where somebody was saying the download link didn't work, mm-hmm. um, or I didn't get this, or my payment didn't get refunded. And we decided that we were also going to publish a paper book because people were demanding it. And you always want to listen to people who are going to throw money at you. But we, I think we went through Lulu.com, and the, we, I had ordered 40 books. I had gotten a lot of pre-sale orders for it. So, you know, you've got to have money in the bank for these kinds of things. I got pre-sale orders from it. Mm-hmm. And this is like at the time I'm, taking the, I'm getting ready to take the bar exam, so my mind is elsewhere. I get the first edition of the books they sent me, and there are no pictures in it. <laughs> so I send them back. Um, I have to wait two, my, two weeks to get another set of books printed up, and I get a proof this time. And the colors, the pictures are there, but they're too dark. So we're now at four or five weeks after we had thought we'd be shipping these out. And um, I finally get stuff that we can actually ship out. And I'm running the post office every day to ship like one or two books. We get screwed internationally on shipping because I hadn't realized how to calculate it correctly. And it was just a big mess. I think we blew a lot of customer goodwill and we annoyed a lot of people when we shouldn't have. We should have just said, I think your idea is great. Uh, I think you should pursue it on your own. So we lost money on that, and we lost, I mean, we lost customer capital and goodwill, mm-hmm. which I think was a lot more uh, damaging than losing money. But hopefully people don't hold it against us. So the lesson there would be, you know, just whatever you know your strengths are to keep pouring money into that in your business. Whatever's working, it's working, so throw more into that. Um, did, did, but do you think it was still worth the try? Maybe, Maybe you learned something from it? Yeah, you know, this is, I, I learned a whole lot of stuff. I think one of the things that makes a powerful entrepreneur is being able to pick up the phone and resolve problems. And I love calling people. Look, I, like, I'm a lawyer also, and so I uh, figure half my day is leaving voicemails for people, <laughs> and the other half is drafting nasty letters. But when you get people on the phone, um, they are inclined to say things that they would never say in email and promise things that they would never say in email. And you get problems solved real quick. So with this book thing, 
I learned how to pick up the phone, resolve things immediately, get stuff going. You know, we learned how to forecast budget projections and figured out that we were going to make like a total of $18 on this whole project. We did it too late, but we figured out how to do it. Um, I learned about engaging with customers and fulfilling orders and like just what it takes if you are selling a physical product, what it takes to ship that product every day. Mm -hmm. So we learned a lot and it was a cheap lesson. Yeah, I mean, I remember when I came out with my book on greenexamacademy.com for the lead exam, people were demanding a physical book, but I knew from experience based on what other people were saying, I had a, I had the fortune to be connected with a lot of people who had done stuff like this already. They were like, no, you don't want to do a physical book. And I was like, why? People want it. And I can just, you know, go to the post office, ship it, whatever. And I can make systems and do it. But they're like, yeah, but you have to do it. That's something you can't really automate quite as much. So it was nice that I had sort of that sort of circle of friends who was telling me what to do or just guiding me along the way. Sometimes it just takes doing stuff and realizing, okay, this isn't the way to go. So that's really cool that you tried it and it didn't work out. And now you are not kind of going down that same route anymore. Yeah. And, you know, my personal calculus for whether it was worth it is like at the end of the day, like were any women and children hurt and do you still have all your teeth? And if both <laughs> of those things are in your favor, then like lesson learned, that's fine. We probably learned it very cheaply. That's funny. How many members are in your site right now are going through your site? Um, we are in the uh, we're in the hundreds phase, not in the thousands phase. Okay. So um, I, I can't talk specific numbers, but sure, like, no we're doing well as a niche site. Right. And again, this is something you're doing on the side that could potentially grow bigger and it is growing. Uh, but you like you said, you have you're, you are a lawyer. Um, and so. With you know, three figures worth of members in there, which is really cool, all paying recurring income, which for those of you who feel like that's a small number, when you have that number happening every single month paying you, that does add up. How are you getting more people to come in? Are you advertising? Or, or I know you said you write some content up front, which maybe draws some people in through social media or whatever, but what are you doing to expand the membership right now? Well, we have a weekly newsletter we try and send out. Um, and you know, it's a free sign up and we have thousands of people on that and we typically get a couple subscriptions every time we send it out. It just, it's, it's a real non-threatening newsletter. Um, we have, I, I, I brag about this to everybody. We have a 50% open rate on our newsletter with thousands of people. The industry standard is 10%. Yep. So when we send something out, half of people open it up, no matter what it is. And the reason why I think that is, is we provide uh, a valuable information to them. So we're not giving them tips, but we're giving them like cool stories to read, interesting trends in the week, maybe a game to play. And then like this real inoffensive, if you like this, there's a service for you and it's only three bucks a week. Here's where you can find out more. And I think the other part of the newsletter success is that like I'm involved in telling and not selling. I'm telling, not yelling. So I have not used an exclamation point in our newsletter for nine months. Huh. Not even to say, hey. Like, yeah, not even to do that. And I feel like uh, the Wall Street Journal doesn't need to use that, so I'm not going to use it. And I think people, I think it resonates with people because we have maybe like two or three people unsubscribe out of the thousands that go out every week. And it's a lasting, enjoyable thing for people. And it costs nothing. It, well, I guess it costs something. We use MailChimp. It costs like 30 bucks a month to send it out, which is fine. We make that up in subscriptions, and we make it up in customer goodwill. Um, we have done a little bit of Google AdWords. Um, I can't, 
I'm humble enough to say that we don't really know enough about it to make it actually pay off for us. We're doing remarketing right now, which is so that when somebody clicks on your site, um, they get a little cookie from Google, and then wherever else they go, they see our ad on other sites. So mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you've been there once, you're more inclined to go there again and learn a little bit more about it. Mm-hmm. So we're interested in that. I can't really speak to whether it's going to work or not. Um, we do uh, Most of our promotion has been free. Um, we paid a disastrous amount of money for T-shirts. People shouldn't buy T-shirts uh, for their company. I think it's, it's pretty bad swag. It's like it's a really low expected value that you get. That's when funny. You're spending Ten or fifteen dollars for a T-shirt, and I personally like I don't wear any T-shirts that I get for free unless they're goofy ones from a thrift store. Um, and if I wouldn't wear this, why would I want? You know, why would I think somebody else would wear it? Yeah, um, it, it's funny because a lot of companies they do that. They they feel like you know there's two things that they have to get to market. They need business cards and T-shirts. And so you found that yeah. the T-shirts aren't really doing anything. Yeah, they're not, they're not doing anything, and you spend a lot of money. Like, we had wanted to get staff T-shirts, too. This is, like, another disastrous problem. We, uh, we got polo shirts embroidered with the Quiet Speculation logo, and they looked sick, and they were awesome, but it cost, like, $350 to set up the embroidery jig and then get five or six shirts made with the idea that, oh, you know, people are going to want to buy Quiet Spec polo shirts down the line, and, like, that, that just never works. <laughs> um, so we had, we had blown like several months of keeping the server alive on shirts that we don't even wear anymore. Um, the big, big, big return on investment is stickers. We go through stickerguy.com and they have a deal where it's like, like 250 stickers for 25 bucks. And the guys who run it are really rad kind of skater surfer dudes. Um, and if you call their customer service, they're really fun to talk to. Um, they, uh, it, it works out about 10 cents a sticker. And the, the appeal for stickers with us was that people carry around trade binders full of magic cards so they can stick this really cool-looking sticker on it. And then whenever you see somebody with that also, and you know what it is, it's kind of like a, like a, a secret handshake. Um, like, oh, you know about that site too. It's, like, it's a little bit of legitimacy. Like you're, you're not going to be a joker when we trade. You're going to be a pretty cool dude. Yeah, that's um, cool. So we, like we get 500 stickers printed up at a time and we go to an event, a whole weekend event. We, we passed out all of them in hours before people love them. And it, it, every time you see the name, it creates an impression in the viewer's mind where they want to come back to it. Like we want people to see the name over and over and over again. Yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I think that's a great idea actually. Um, so you kind of have to think about what your audience is doing, where they are going and how they can interact and sort of what would indicate uh, some I mean, I think this is great for a membership site. It'd be awesome to go somewhere in any sort of, you know, if I was a membership uh, of any sort of niche membership site and I go and I find someone who, I don't know, has something like it. Like if, if I was in the mini Cooper club, for example, I don't have a mini Cooper, but I'm just speculating if I, it was, if I was in a mini Cooper, mini Cooper sort of online community and I, you know, we got stickers or something that, uh, you put on, the antenna or something, and then I drove around. And I saw someone else that had the same thing. I'd be like, "That guy's cool." I might, I might go talk to him and start a conversation. Uh, and then what that does also is gets people who aren't in the group to kind of see that sticker or that antenna ball or whatever it is, and be like, "Hey, what's that?" And it can be a conversation starter where your brand can sort of be a part of that conversation. Yeah, and you know, it can apply to a lot of other niches. Like if you are working with like fitness things or outdoor stuff, like here's a sticker you can put on your Nalgene bottle. That says, like, if lost, please return to, and then it has your brand on it. Yeah. If you're an outdoor brand. Or, like, here's a patch you can sew to your climbing harness. 
if you're a rock climber, I, I know I'm talking out my butt on this stuff. I know no, nothing about going outside, <laughs> but you know, it can work for other niche industries. And I think it works a lot better for niche industries than like big, goofy standard corporations. I don't want to put a Coca-Cola sticker on my things. Yeah, no, that's true. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking of Steve, Steve Kim from nerdfitness.com. He has apparel, but it works for him because they wear that stuff at the gym and people are like, oh, that's cool. Nerd fitness. What's that? And so they, you know, that's partly how he's been able to grow. So again, it just, it just depends on who your audience is, what they do, where they go and how they can possibly interact with each other. So that's something that's really cool to think about when it comes to membership sites. Maybe there's some people in the audience right now, sort of the gears are turning as far as that as far as that's concerned now for people who don't have membership sites yet maybe they have a blog there's some sort of traffic what is maybe indicator for them that in that a membership site might be the right choice for them well i have looked at a lot of membership sites uh and they're the thing that keeps recurring for me that i think that can really make money is um if subscribing to this site will save you money because it's like it's like just about the easiest sell to somebody like Geico made a fortune on a 15 minute call will save you 15% or more. Like nothing about their service, just we're going to save you money. Um, so that's a powerful sell on its own. I think if you're running something where it's like, um, this is how to maintain, uh, you know, my wife has a Mini Cooper. Oil changes are ridiculously expensive. So like this is how you get an oil change with a Mini Cooper for 25 bucks. And if people are interested, they should email me, by the way, because I have the inside scoop on that. But nice. if you're doing something like that where you have, this is how I can save you money at something you're already doing, I think that's a gold standard. Um, if you have uh, subscribers who are interested in reading journalism, like decently researched articles, maybe fiction, um, you know, research pieces, I think that's good. It's, I don't think that there's a shortcut to paid content sites where it's like, well, you know, I'm just going to go on Elance and have people in another country write articles about um, parachuting for me. I don't think that there's a shortcut to it. Mm -hmm. But for somebody who is looking at, yeah, I would definitely say, does your blog help people save money? And if it helps them save money, then you probably have some sort of marketing pitch. Yeah, that's a great tip, Doug. Um, now to finish up, because we're coming up to about 35 minute mark, which is awesome. There's been a lot of great content in here, especially getting people thinking about the membership sites. And you don't need to have that many people to have a really close knit group in a community uh, that, that is willing to pay for stuff like you're saying. Again, this isn't a huge membership site yet. And of course, you have to start somewhere, but you learn as you go and you build and you market and you get people to talk about you, and it just sort of becomes a part of their daily life. Like you said, I mean, I'm, I'm guessing some people do spend all day uh, within your membership site. You said there's a private chat thing, which is really cool. Uh, what, what's what's maybe one of the coolest things that has happened um, since you started your membership site? Um, I think that it's it's really the ability to make a difference in the lives of our writers and the, the, the lives of our subscribers. So on the writers, I, I mentioned before, people are so thrilled that they get paid to talk about their favorite hobby. Uh, and cool. people say, like, you know, you help me play my hobby for free. Uh, and with the subscribers, it's even better because when people take this information, they use it, they can, they can make, like, life-changing amounts of money to where not only you're playing your game for free, but maybe you're making some money on the side. And we had one email from a guy, totally unsolicited, who said, I subscribed with like my last money I had, basically my last funny fun money I had last month. Um, I love playing Magic. I didn't really even have enough money to get gas to drive around town. But at the beginning of the month, my trade binder was terrible. 
Um, but at the end of the month, I probably made a thousand dollars from your site. He's like, I have all the gas I need. I'm making my car payments. I'm so excited. I'm going to be a member for life. Um, and getting that is those kinds of emails. Is, that's like the coolest part. Yeah. And the, like the, the money's fine, but really helping people is so cool. And being able to help help change people's lives is really awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. And you're doing it through Magic the Gathering. Like, who would have thought that that could happen? Yeah, who would have thought? <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Um, you know, if anyone has any questions, feel free to hop on to smartpassiveincome.com slash session 63 to get the show notes for this and leave any comments or questions for Douglas. I mean, we could probably spend hours talking about this, especially getting deep into magic and that sort of thing. I, I would, uh, you know, love to see how magic going online now uh, has maybe affected your, your membership site or maybe it's, it's, it has helped you know, because I know when I was egg, when I was sort of finishing up with magic, maybe you can answer this really quick just because I'm curious. Uh, when I was finishing up with magic, you know, the actual physical part of it uh, before I left college and sold my deck, unfortunately, I told you that in an email. I sold my yeah. my, my land destruction deck and I, I sold four sinkholes from the revised edition. And I was like, ah, and those of you who are like, that don't know. That was an what, unwise decision. Yeah. So some of you guys who are listening are like, you guys are geeks. But um, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. But anyway, as I was exiting Magic uh, and going to college, um, Magic the Gathering Online was becoming huge. And there's actually, you know, you could buy packs and buy cards and virtually have them online, you know, like virtual currency. How does that uh, affected um, sort of your business at all? And how have you responded? Well, Kelly and I um, started, we call it like paper magic and online magic. So we started and deal a lot in paper magic. But magic online is huge. Lots and lots of people play it It, because it basically you don't have to go to your hobby shop or your friend's house to play it. So it's very attractive for the convenience factor. And my father-in-law plays it and he's like, feels a little too old to go to a hobby shop and play with (laughs) 20-somethings. But he can load it up in the uh, the evenings and play and have a a comfortable, fun time. And a lot of people are like that. Cards exchange much more quickly and like immediately for money. So you don't have to go out and find a trading partner and put something in the mail if you're shipping. So, but the other thing is that it's like, it's an entirely different economy than paper magic. So what we did was we went out and found experts in magic online, hired them and they write and participate in our forums. And that was a brilliant move. People, people love reading that stuff. That's really cool. That's awesome. Well, Good move. Uh, and again, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm sure we're going to have much more to chat about later, maybe offline about magic, and maybe I can see where I can maybe get my deck back or something. I don't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> but uh, if people wanted to check you out, uh, I know the, the website is at quietspeculation.com. And the reason it's called that is because that's an actual card uh, that is played in the game. Um, but where else can people go to find out more about you and Kelly? Maybe there's a Twitter handle or something where people can connect. Yeah, our Twitter handle is QuietSpec, all one word. Um, we tweet mainly about magic stuff, but uh, I think that you should still tweet at us anyway if you feel like it. <laughs> yeah, say hi to at QuietSpec uh, and let them know you heard this. Um, I remember talking to Yaro Starek from entrepreneurs-journey.com. He actually got his start online uh, talking about Magic the Gathering too back, I think, in 1999. I think the dark ages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Well, thanks again so much. Um, I appreciate it. My pleasure, Pat. It's been a sincere pleasure to be with you. All right. Thanks. Bye bye.
All right. I want to thank Doug for being on the show. Again, you can check Doug and Kelly's site out at quietspeculation.com. The whole Magic the Gathering thing, and, and, and it's just a very cool story. Lots of really cool little gold nuggets in this episode, and I hope it inspires some of you who, you know, maybe you have a hobby and you want to explore the possibilities of monetizing it. Um, this is a great episode for you. You might also want to check out session number 37, 37, which is a success story uh, with Lane Amon, who is now making six figures in the scrapbooking industry, the scrapbooking industry industry yes it's insane so check that out if you haven't already as always the show notes are located at smartpassiveincome.com slash session 63 and until session 64 please stay safe i can't wait to uh, bring you the next episode next week and also one quick call to action if you haven't done so already i would appreciate it so much if you left a review an honest review on itunes for this show um you know a, a rating from one to five stars and and a review to go along with it um hopefully if you made it this far uh you enjoy the show but if not or if you have something uh you know some constructive criticism for me i i always welcome respectful constructive criticism so um you know give it to me i want to know uh what you feel so thank you so much i appreciate it your reviews and ratings really help the rankings of the show so i really appreciate that thank you cheers i wish you nothing but the best i'll see you in 64 peace thanks for listening to the smart passive income podcast at www.smartpassiveincome.com so podcasting is obviously a big deal here at spi and today I'm so excited to tell you about our newest podcast. Yes, a brand new podcast called Flops. Flops is all about exploring, celebrating, and normalizing failure in the entrepreneurial journey. Every entrepreneur experiences failure at some point, so I love that we're just facing it head on here. And the show is hosted by two members of the team, Karen and Ray, and in it, they talk to entrepreneurs who have had stumbles, setbacks, and flat-out failures. These guests are honest and generous with their stories, and I think they offer hope and encouragement for all other entrepreneurs out there because we all experience it, right? We all experience failure. For example, in the first episode, Ray talks to John, who got caught up in a Ponzi scheme. It's a story with twists and turns that will keep you hooked. It's a great story. I highly recommend you check it out. But one thing I love about Flops is that it doesn't dwell on the failure, and it always finds a bright side. I really love it, and I think you will too. So the first season of Flops has already started with new episodes dropping on Wednesdays. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also listen at smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. Again, that's smartpassiveincome.com slash flops. I hope you enjoy it.